0: East Point. Good morning. Boy, it's good to be back with you again today. Um, and I appreciate the fact that you all were willing to brave the cold. I told somebody earlier this morning that my dad, uh, straight Norwegian, uh, his mom and his dad came over from Norway, met in Minnesota. Who in the world wants to live in Minnesota? Um, But anyway, that's where they met. My dad's straight Norwegian. I was born in Minnesota, and I hate the cold. I hate the cold. But uh, thank you for braving the cold. East Point is blessed with opportunities to serve, but it's also been blessed, and I just am so pleased with the number of people that are willing to give their musical abilities. Uh, I, I am, yeah. All the time, all the practice. Uh, the, together to make it happen so that we can worship effectively I, and I appreciated and this morning the saxophone in particular for me I don't know why but when I was younger that's what I wanted to play so in fifth grade I learned how to play one of those they called them to nets I think they were flutophones or something like that now is that right okay and so I played that thing in fifth grade and sixth grade played it a little bit more and then they started to give you instruments I thought, man, I am going for the saxophone. And so what they did was that they said, well, saxophone is so expensive, we're going to start everybody out on clarinets first, because it's the same kind of reed instrument, and you can just do that. And so I got my clarinet, and I got in the room, and I was one of two boys with a whole bunch of girls. Now, in eighth grade, that would have been fine, Okay. But in sixth grade, it was not. I lasted for two weeks, and I was done, okay, out of there. Um, But I appreciate uh, the willingness to do that. And then the the last thing, before we get into the scriptures this morning, today is Sanctity of Life Sunday, uh, being celebrated by Christians all around the world. God is the one who gives life. God is the one who gave you value. God is the one who created you after his own image. You are not an accident. And that means that not one person is any more valued, any more important than you. God loves you individually. He loves everyone individually just as much as. We're giving gifts, personalities, abilities, inabilities. We're all distinct. We're all individual, but God Created you. And I would just like to uh, pause for a moment and just to reappreciate that before our Heavenly Father. Let's do that. Father, I thank you that none of us is an accident. May have been unplanned, may have been a surprise, but intentional by you. I pray that you would help us to see that within ourselves, but then also to see that within others who are around us, those who are disappointed that they cannot be as good as someone else or as whatever. We do a lot of comparing, but the only thing that you want us to do is to see that we are in your image and we have value, we have love, and so, Father, help us to help others to be able to realize that as well. We thank you for the creation that you've made being us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Today uh, wraps up week number three of what I've been wanting to do for quite some time. Our God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what does that really mean? And so we took a look at God as the God of Abraham, the one who calls us. And then last week, the God of Isaac, the one who gives us gifts, the one who gifts us. Us. And, and, and that's what Isaac was. He was the gift. He was the laughter. He was the joy. And so we kind of parked that alongside of God calls us to be his own. And then God gives us the gift of grace, of salvation, of his presence in our lives. And today, with Jacob, we're going to see God as the God who works. The God who works in this world, in us, around us, and through us. The scripture this morning is taken from Genesis in chapter 32. In verse 22, it goes like this. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok, the river. And I need to pause there just to say polygamy is never condoned in the Old Testament. It does happen. But God works even despite our deficiencies, okay? Even though we fail, and even though we don't go, he still is going to be able to work through Jacob. In verse 23, after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. And so Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled, wrestled with god and with man with humans and have overcome and jacob said please tell me your name but he replied why why do you ask my name and then he blessed him there and so jacob called the place Peniel, saying it is because i saw god face to face and yet my life was spared and i'm going to pause here because who is this man that he wrestles with all night long And some people would think that it's an angel of God who has been sent from God, that he's wrestling with him. Some would even think that it was the Son of God who showed up in the Old Testament, a theophany, an appearance of God in human form, but that it was actually the second person of the Trinity, Jesus himself. It's just kind of fun to, to wonder what's going on here and how is God doing this? But you'll see that I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. In verse 31, the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. An all-night wrestling match. Wow. Wow. Kind of a strange passage of scripture, isn't it? When you read this at first, there, there probably are more questions than there are answers, okay? But it's a very real event, number one, because when he's done, he begins to limp. And the Israelites then that follow him observe this when they eat, they would not eat that portion, which signifies to us that it was a real event. It wasn't just a dream. For Jacob. Number two, it was an important event because this is where Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Jacob, the deceiver, that's what his name meant. Jacob, the one who would get anything that he could by any means that he could, Jacob, the deceiver. I read about it. Uh, James Dobson tells this story when he was uh, in the hospitals, and he said that there was this young intern that was working with him, and this young intern had a patient that came in mentally disturbed. This patient believed that he was dead, okay? And so as the patient is describing what's going on, the young intern thought, you know what, I think I can help him. I will help him reason to, I'll take him from where he is and reason him down his path, and he'll understand that he is not dead. So Dobson said, go for it, good luck, So he talks to him for a little bit, and as he does, he says, I'll tell you what, let me ask you a question. Do dead people bleed? And the man said, no, of course not. They don't bleed. And so the intern took his hand and pricked the end of his finger and squeezed it, and sure enough, blood was coming out. And the man looked at it and The intern said, what do you think now? And the man responded, wow, dead men do bleed. Isn't that amazing? Not not ready to accept the new evidence and change your mind. That's Jacob. Doesn't matter what's going on in Jacob's life. He's going to deceive, he's going to get, he's going to be, and he's not going to change. When he is younger, he deceives his brother Esau. And he gains his birthright. And I won't go into all of these, but then a little bit later, he deceives his father with the help of his mother. And gets Esau's inheritance. And when this happens, mom says, boy, you better take off for a couple of days until things cool off and then you can come back. So he goes to his uncle Laban's and he begins to deceive him, but Laban is better at it than he is, and Laban deceives Jacob. Jacob wants to marry his daughter, Rachel. So he says, Okay, you can have my daughter, but you've got to work for me for seven years first. You remember this story? Work for me for seven years. He does. Wedding night. He doesn't get Rachel. He gets Rachel's older sister, Leah. And dad says, sorry about that, but uh, we have a custom that says that the older one has to get married first. And so your wife is actually Leah. Now, if you want Rachel, you've got to work for me another seven years. You see, he thought he was good at deceiving people. Laban's one up on him. He now is working for 14 years to get the wife that he desired. The passage that we're going to hear is now God has told him, you need to go back home, and it's 20 years later. He's not sure how he's going to be received by his brother Esau. But I'll tell you what, his heart has been changed. In that same passage of Scripture, in verse 1, Here's what takes place in just one verse. 32.1, one. Jacob also went on his way on his way and the angels of God met him. It doesn't say what happens in this meeting, but what it does say that Esau is taking and he's going where God has told him to. And now on the way, the angels of God meet. Ja- he is not alone in this. I believe that's what God is telling him. Verse 1, you're not doing this by yourself. I am with you. I have sent my angels. You have seen them. Go ahead. But now I want to take you down to a couple of other verses. Verses 9 through 12. Because now we get to see the very heart of Jacob. In verse 9, then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. Here it is. I am unworthy of all the kindness and the faithfulness that you have shown me. That you have shown your servant I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I've become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He made that promise to Abraham and Isaac and now to Jacob. It's for your seed. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. He knows this promise is coming. But look at the heart of the deceiver, Jacob. It has changed big time. What does it mean that he has struggled with and wrestled with this man all night long? And that he has overcome. You've wrestled with God. You've wrestled with man. And now you've overcome Overcome what? We know that we cannot overcome God. We realize that he's overcome man sometimes, but sometimes he loses. So I don't think it's about overcoming mankind and overcoming God. I think it has more to do with his own deceitfulness and his own life and his own habits and his own ways. God is more powerful. He's not going to overcome God. You know, what it reminded me of as I was working through this passage is when I had my three kids that were growing up, we used to play this game and I would lay down on the living room floor on my back and I would put my arm on the floor like this and I would just hold it up with my fist and I would say, okay, see if you can take it down. So one of my kids at the time then, they'd they'd push they'd pull they'd start on the other end of the room and run and try to knock it down you know one of those kind of things and every one of my kids did it I even did it with for my my grandkids it was just this game that we would play can you get it down how strong are you now they would lay on it they would everything and eventually they got to the point where that they could overcome didn't mean that they were stronger than me But what I had given them to do, they had finally accomplished. And I believe that this is where Jacob is. You have overcome. Overcome what? You have overcome that thing in your life that has held you back from me for so long. You have tried to do things on your own, on your own, on your own, and now you're not. I am unworthy. That's what he says, of your kindness, of your faithfulness, I am your servant. When he wrestles with the man, the man then says, I got to go. And Jacob says, you're not going anywhere (laughs) until you bless me. You see what Jacob's after now? It's not after what he wants. Jacob is now after what God wants. What does it mean to be blessed by God? It means that I enter into whatever the, his plan is for my life. Whatever it is, God, I'm not going to tell you what to give me here. And Jacob's been all about that all his life. Getting what he wants. At this point, he is saying, God bless me. And when you bless me, I will honor you. And I believe that that's what Jacob is all about. Abraham, the God who calls us. Isaac, the God who gives us gifts. And then Jacob, the God who works in us and through us. In different passages of Scripture, I'm reminded that in the New Testament, it's exactly what God's been trying to say all the time, that we need to be overcomers. And the only way that we can do that is to do that with Him. You see, I I honestly believe that God wants us to be in a partnership with Him and a relationship with Him. And all through the New Testament, He keeps reemphasizing that. And in fact... In Acts in, in chapter two and thirty eight, when it says that we we're baptized into Christ, not only are our sins forgiven, but he says the gift of the Holy Spirit will now dwell inside of you. Now there's it's not just about salvation, okay? You see, Jacob is about this side of salvation. What's the Holy Spirit about? What's he for? Philippians 2.13 gives us this idea. It is He, it is the God, it is the Holy Spirit who is in you and helping you both to will and to do His good work. You see, I believe that what Paul is telling those in Philippians is, do you want? God will help you want. He will help you even to will you want to do God will help you do God will help you to want God will help you to do and now it's this partnership thing you're not doing stuff for God God has invited you to do stuff with him Ephesians 2 when it talks about our salvation it's a gift of God and then it goes on and he says And there are works that God has planned in advance for you to do. God has some things for you to do. And he wants you to enter into what he has planned for your life. I think that's where Jacob is now. Finally. He's an overcomer. God constantly is trying to share with us that this is who he is. And this is what he wants in us. And in Timothy... When he writes him, he says, God's not giving you the spirit of fear. Do you know this one? God is not giving you the spirit of fear, but of what? Power and love and of self-control. You see, when God now lives in you, God has given you the power to do what he wants you to do. You're doing this thing together. It's never just for him. And so he's given you the power to do it, the power and the, even to love. How in the world do we love those who are unlovely, who have hurt us and damaged us and and opposed us? How do we? Because God is in us, partnering with us to even love. It's beyond us. Power and love and self-control. How in the world? That's one of the fruit of the spirit. It's not what you have to do on your own. It's what God helps you to do is control yourself. Jacob is all about, I am unworthy of your kindness and your faithfulness. Can we work this together? Don't even ask me why God wants to do this with a bunch of dummies like me and you, okay? Seriously, come on. How many times do we have to learn the same thing over and over again, right? Oh, come on. But he does. And he loves us and he works through us and he just wants so much for us to have relationship with him. I'm going to close with a couple of illustrations. I've got it in my pocket, a, a, a tube of cream. I don't know if you noticed or not, but the last couple of Sundays that I've been here, uh, this is from my dermatologist. All right. And I've had melanoma 15 years ago. It's nothing to worry about, but I go every six months. And uh, give me this cream to put on my head and on my face, and it's supposed to make you look awful and terrible. And then for two weeks off, you kind of clean up a little bit. And then two more weeks of hit it again. And then it's supposed to take care of a lot of the actinic keratosis, OK? Um, and, and that's what I'm doing the dermatologist that i go to when i first started going to him he's a christian and we got to talking about the lord and and uh, what's going on and he said you know what i would like to give you a gift i want to treat you for nothing and i said boy that's okay with me Um, and we got to know each other and one day when we were done with the visit he asked his assistant to leave the room, and he closed the door, and he said, Mike, I need to share something with you. He's going through a divorce. He wanted me to pray for him. So we do this thing together because we know we're in the kingdom together. But what happens if he prescribes this for me and I do not apply it? I can get the tube... But if I leave it in my bathroom, if I leave it on the shelf and I never allow it to do its work, no good. The Holy Spirit that is inside of you, it needs to be applied. You need to allow him to work in you and through you. And that's what the good works are now about. It's not to impress God. It's to work in partnership with God. It's a relationship, and I hope that you see that. It's altogether different than what a lot of churches do and with what a lot of people believe. The last thing I'd like to share with you, uh, Scott Taube. Didn't know Scott before two weekends ago, but Scott preaches in a church in Portland, Maine. He did a retreat up at Round Lake Christian Camp, Scott's only been in Portland, Maine for 16 years, and the church already, on a Sunday, worships over 2,400 people. 16 years, 2,400 people that come to worship. One of the most impressive things that he shared with us in that weekend retreat is called chair time. When you come into their foyer, you see this huge chair hanging from the ceiling, and it's chair time. Chair time is just time with God, and this is how you apply a relationship. You spend time with the person, and that's one of the first things that they impress on people when they come in and they look at it and they go, "Chair time? What's that about?" Well, it's about not doing things for God, it's about doing things with God. And the whole relationship thing then is there. And I would like for you to consider maybe changing the way you think about God. God needs to be your friend. On the way over here this morning, God and I are talking in the car. You know what, that used to be a weird thing to see somebody just talking. In their car by themselves, not anymore, because people have these earbuds and the gun, all that other stuff. I mean, it's all the time now. But I'm talking with God in the car. He and I are friends. He and I'll talk through whatever's coming up. He and I'll talk about what's on my heart, and we do that. That's chair time. It could be in your car. It could be in a chair that's off. It can be your coffee time. But you need to spend time, and it's not about learning the Bible. It's just about spending time with your friend. Does that make sense? I hope so. Because I think that's what Jacob finally understood. Would you bow with me? Would you pray with me? And in this prayer, commit something different to God in your relationship, okay? Let's do that. Father, thank you so much. You are the God who calls, who gives gifts, and then works with us. Thank you for calling us into that relationship. Thank you for allowing our will to be enhanced by yours and the works that we do, the works that you planned in advance for us to do, and so you're willing to walk through it with us. Help us to do something different this year that would help us to become an even closer friend with you. That's our prayer in Jesus' name.